2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, back on 910 The Fan, 105.1 FM. Love to be joined by Zach Joaquim of the Richmond Times Dispatch, Richmond.com, all the places, uh, our little tradition here. Uh, you just heard Coach Ryan Odom at the press conference. I will ask you about that in a second. But first, you posted a picture on Saturday uh, of a swimming pool
0: <laughs> that you said was underneath the arena at LaSalle. It's two floors below. Help me out. So not directly underneath. It's on the first floor there, and the arena is on the third floor, Tom Gola Arena. But I was shocked like to find a legit, the pool directly under. Like a legit, under.
1: the arena is two floors above ground?
0: Yes, so it's on the third floor of the building. So you come into the, the building, yes. go up
1: two floors, mm-hmm. and there's an arena.
0: Yes, exactly. What's going on here? It's wild. Um, <laughs> I, it's nicknamed the attic. From, from what I've heard, okay. it definitely, like, has that feel. The whole thing kind of feels like an upstairs, like, tucked away arena. Um, uh, from a That's, neutral how perspective. How does that work for the fans? Are there, like, oh, staircases all, and stuff? There are, yes, and there's a lot of traffic going up and down. I mean, at a, <laughs> at a place where you're getting, you know, 7,600 people like the Siegel Center, I don't think it would work logistically. No, it wouldn't. I don't know if there were 3,000 people there, you know. And, you know and, what it makes me think of, though, is the diamond where you have to climb all those stairs yes, when you come in. They were steep, too. They were, and, but I, I went down after the game to explore the basement level a little bit because uh, I'd heard legends of the pool. I have a friend who swam at George Mason okay. who was telling me about swimming in the pool at LaSalle <laughs> um, and, and that it was wild. And so I went, the door was locked and I couldn't get in, but I took some pictures and it was nice to see the novelty. I love it.
1: Uh, so there's a full swimming pool underneath.
0: Yes. The and I believe it's where like the LaSalle swim team swims. It's their official I can't you know, competitive the,
1: pool. multiple pools at LaSalle. <laughs>
0: and, <laughs> although the rec center here's got it. Does, yeah.
1: Does VCU have a swim team no no i
0: don't, no, think, I don't so. think so i don't believe so
1: uva's got the national champions yes the team um there's that pool could handle the direct center pool wait the carry street gym pool
0: yes for sure that, it's that, big that's a competitive size pool uh, i would think so you and there's a, also jacuzzis and stuff in there it's a cool place. Uh,
1: so my friend lived in um uh what's the neighborhood right over here um Carver? Carver, yeah. Carver. Um, and I guess the VCU like, took some land to build something. Oh, did they? And so they gave everybody in the neighborhood like <laughs> a year pass to use the gym as like, a thank you. Um, so I would go with him. Um, so I was never a VCU student, but I have been in the hot tub, and it is delightful. Um, Curry,
0: Curry Street Gym in general is awesome. I love playing yeah. pickup there. When, when I was at VCU, you can always get a good game. Yeah. Really competitive, four courts there. Um, and And the pool area is wonderful. It's a nice gym. They've got it going on here at BC. They do. They do. All right, Zach Joaquim joining us. <laughs> Richmond Times Dispatch, Richmond.com. What's on the second floor? Uh nothing. Seemingly. So that was the confusing part. There's like a there's like a concession area. Okay. The me, so the media room and a concession area okay. is on the second floor. But it seemed to me that there's not like a full second floor. Like you're just there's like a landing coming off the staircase and it has concessions in the media room, and then you just keep going. Do we
1: think the building is haunted?
0: Ah, uh, very possibly. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the year you're on it. It's basically describing a haunted building. Very old. Cool yes. in the basement, nothing on the second floor. Haunted with the LaSalle Explorer's athletic past. And I can't tell you all the ins and outs of that. But yes, it feels like there were some spirits in there. There you go. <laughs> Get a Ouija, <laughs> Ouija
1: board and uh, to figure that out. The
0: media room set up, too. There was like there was a tray of sandwiches like tucked away in the back, and it yeah. felt like you were in like a rundown little office building in the back there. It was interesting. We were in we were at Temple last year and they brought uh, they brought in a bunch of pizzas for us. Mm-hmm. All, always
1: appreciated. Of you know, they they do that here. But the boxes all said Philly style pizza. And what is that? It's just New York style pizza, but they slap Philly oh, on Philly. the box. Pops. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's that's a little brother city in a lot of ways. Not to get too tangential to new- to here, but I did uh, go on a little cheesesteak tour. Take us more tangential,
1: <laughs> Zach. It's what we do, that's the, that's the program.
0: I walked around <laughs> Philly on Saturday night after I got done working and went to Sunny's and Campos for my two Philly cheesesteak okay, places, which nice. I think, and, and Chris Kowalski was telling us that the team went to uh, Campos. That was their stop to uh, to try Phillies in Philly. Um, and I went to the corner where Geno's and Pat's are, yep. the two really famous places that are right across the street from yep. each other. Um, I couldn't fit a third Philly in the stomach. <laughs> I wanted to sample as many as I could, so I, I stopped it too. But I walked around Old City and went to Liberty Bell, oh, Independence yeah. Hall, City Hall. Um, wonderfully historic uh, and really enjoyed the vibes of the city. Lovely city, absolutely. Mm-hmm. E- Eagles uh, maybe have uh, oh, some moods up there. Everything uh, says Go Birds. I know. And I thought that was entertaining. Not this morning. <laughs> Not this morning. <laughs> no it doesn't they monster wiped it off.
1: That's an all timer of a choke job. One of, one one of their last seven.
0: It looked like a team that has clearly lost. That Sirianni has lost that locker room with a defensive coordinator change. I have a friend who's an Eagles fan, and that's what he was telling me going into that game, is that these players are mad at their head coach, and they're not committed anymore, and that's what it looked like. One, you're a
1: smart guy. How do you pick Matt Patricia as your defensive coordinator in the year 2023? Two, how do you fire
0: the coach who was in the Super Bowl last year? You can't do that, right? And they were what? Were they 10-2, 10-3 at the time that he did it? I mean, it was two bad games defensively. It seemed like a gross overreaction. Like, who wants that job if if that job is win a Super Bowl? Super Bowl, you get fired, mm-hmm. but also like you kind of have to fire him, mm-hmm.
1: hire Belichick or something. I like, was gonna I say know. there's that's, some there's some names out ev- there
0: that are available. Everything is gonna be hire Belichick. Yes, now, it is, and I love it. Cowboys got to hire Belichick. Oh, if, if he goes we to need Dallas, to, how much fun is that? So much fun. Belichick so and Jerry, much. Fun. We just we need that for the <laughs> entertainment
1: value. <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, we just heard Ryan Odom uh, weekly press conference mm-hmm. um, I was struck when he said he was talking about you know getting the team into their places and buying in defensively um, I think he said we haven't been as good as we can be yet um, you've watched a couple losses you've watched a couple wins. Uh, Do you agree with that? That that you think this team's got
0: another gear in them potentially? On the defensive end, I think they're starting to find in these last two games. I mean, Mason obviously holding them to 50 on the road, and that was the number 20 three point shooting team in the country coming into that game. And then they went 0 of 15, yeah. 0 of 15. Maddox, specifically, the Virginia Tech transfer that they have, has been shooting it really well this year, and and VCU did a great job on him. Um, Part of that is luck. Sometimes they just don't fall. But the closeouts were a lot better that game. And Michael Bell played 20-plus minutes. And I think we we talked with Ryan about that um, this morning and how much his defensive presence has done for the rest of this team. Because that's, you know, look, Sean and Joe have clearly made this team better. But the numbers tell you that they haven't been as good defensively collectively since those two guys came back. I don't think that's anything that Sean and Joe are doing wrong. I think that's Jason and Michael Bell. Jason Nelson and Michael Bell, who've played less since those two guys came back, those are two of your best defenders, yeah. right? And their minutes have decreased since those two guys came back. And Ryan has talked a lot about maturity and sacrificing minutes I think that's the big thing that this team is working through right now Fats Bill was barely played against George Mason in fact I think he might not have played at all against George Mason and then his minutes were limited against LaSalle too and Fats has had some great games this year and so I think collectively you've got a team maturing and learning to sacrifice minutes for one another um, but to answer your question I think they're starting to realize that defensive ceiling they were good against LaSalle LaSalle ended up putting up 65 but a lot of that was Brickus who just, oh my gosh, I loved watching him play. Just like city guard, <laughs> if you've ever seen yep, one, like, yep. like YMCA game. Oh, and, yeah. and it was awesome to watch. And he threw up some shots that were really well contested. And you just went, well, you, you throw your hands up and you tip your cap and you say you defended that as well as you could. And so I think the defensive performance was better than 65 points given up. And that's obviously decent. And so I think you've had two in a row. We'll see if they can continue to string it together. And I really think, I talked to Zeb Jackson last week, about this team still looking for that ceiling uh, on both sides of the floor and trying to put it together, right? You've seen this team play great offensive games and put up 80-plus points. You've seen this team hold Mason to 50 on the road. Can they find both of those things at the same time, right, and put together yep. a performance that's complete on both ends of the floor? I think they're capable of it, but that's what they're searching for right now. Because
1: yeah. the answer isn't bench Bamisil and bench bearstow, because no, no. then then you have an offensive
0: problem mm-hmm. again. Uh, the, you, you got to figure out how to work through that and still have that defense it's, it's you do and I think both of those guys have been committed defensively since they came back again I don't no think know question any big they're just, lapses they're they're just not
1: Michael and Michael Bell's not Sean Bearstow good mm-hmm. offensively like
0: we can just call everybody what they are here yeah, yeah. and that was a lot of fun to watch on Saturday career high 12 assists um for Bearstow. um I talked to Fran Dunphy afterward legendary LaSalle's coach obviously been around the game for a long time and he talked about Bearstow's height and his versatility right like he's bringing the ball up the floor but he's 6'8". human mismatch can exactly can see over everybody and his court vision was fantastic and it was huge down the stretch in that game there was a wonderful skip pass to kawani for a catch and shoot corner three that was big and something that i've been struck by and i was talking about this on on twitter the other day with sean is how much he loves to occupy that space in the lane Like he operates as a guard a lot of the time, but then he'll back his man down when you put a smaller perimeter defender on him and take him to the post. And a lot of BCU's best offense has been when Sean is getting those touches in the lane, right? Whether it's a a dump off to firm or a dump off to Toby or a lob to Toby. There was one late in that game where Toby and Sean were operating in the pick and roll. um, And I think Toby's defender came out and hedged really hard. And then you give him that little bit of space and he gets rolling downhill toward the rim and Sean immediately went for the lob and we know what Toby can do on the lob. It's, it's one of the most th- fun things to watch. For this VCU team, and even in a road arena, I think there were some respectful oohs and ahs when, <laughs> when Toby made a couple of those patented Toby plays. It's and so, so, so good. It is, it's, and it gives this team a lift. All baskets are not created equal, right, when Toby's making plays like yep. that. I think there's a jolt of energy yep. that goes through everyone, and it's been fascinating to see how they've used Sean Bairstow, his court business, was, was huge down the stretch against the Explorers. I, I, Awad I wasted no time texting me. Says so Bairstow, sorry,
1: we, we had a little debate mm-hmm. last week. I said Bairstow's not being held to the same standard as these other guys. And That's I a great point. And I didn't think he was. But but it clearly Odom trying to get him to work through, whether it's the injury or meshing with this offense or whatever it is. I'll, I you know is. We're running out of time, but I loved your Zeb Jackson story. Um, richmond.com to read that from Zach. Um, I, you get. The, you, sometimes you get to the end of the season you find out they'll hate each other that happens sometimes <laughs> yeah. and they're putting on a front I get the sense even with everything you mentioned the sacrificing for minutes the the way things you know they've taken some losses early this team is still together and I wonder if part of that isn't you know You documented Zeb's story. Vamasil's story is well documented. So many of these guys have such overcoming adversity in their backgrounds that maybe there's a
0: a common bonding point there. For sure. I think they've collectively come together um together. In adverse circumstances from from many different standpoints, and Zeb and Fats are kind of the two that I've pointed to as the glue that's held this group together over that offseason, right? Zeb clearly took ownership, decided to become a face this program. One of your three captains, your other two captains, and Max and Sean, weren't here last year. Right. And so Zeb, even though he played sparingly last year, is, is kind of the holdover in that regard. And he talked a lot about when he was at Michigan, kind of losing his identity in terms of identifying with basketball um, and having to work through, you know, basketball is not who I am. It's just what I do. Which is not uncommon when, no. you, when you end up in that kind of meat grinder environment. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think in him making that transition from Michigan to VCU, he was obviously hoping to play more. Right. And so he, after playing sparingly and still being kind of a role player on that team last year, right, when, when uh, Ace Baldwin and Jaden Dunn were the primary guards, I think he was ready right to take that step up to a starter a captain to a primary face of this program and he's done so with aplomb and then we all remember uh, Fats and that tweet uh, over the offseason and all the conversations surrounding him and will the hometown kids stay um, and it's a great day to be a Ram right it was the VCU basketball tweet on the morning of Ryan Odo's press conference that always stuck with me because it was Fats saying that hanging from the rim Fats uh, I think a week later or so sent out the tweet um, saying I'm not going anywhere and it was a picture of him standing on the James River in the 804 Um, skyline behind him and and the numbers in the background and so those two guys I think have really been the cultural fabric of this program and everyone else has kind of rallied around them Um, and you've got the group of local kids who are obviously close with FATS and I think their friendship has been a big part of it. And then some of the more experienced players I think identify with what Zeb has been through in his career, like you were alluding to. And so those are the two things that have really held this program together through some ups and downs so far this year.
1: And we see injuries are striking as they always do. So mm-hmm. you need you need the depth the guys who get guys who get ten minutes are now gonna get twenty minutes, twenties turning into thirty.
0: It always happens. It's and this team here. can deal with that. That's one of the yeah. great things, right? De- they are deep enough. We wondered that at the start of the year, but they are. It's been a good problem for Ryan to have over the last few weeks, although it's certainly has been difficult for him to it try and work though, through. Yeah. Michael Bell, you know, who's a starter for much of the year, all of a sudden there's games where he's playing 43 seconds. I mean, that's, that's wild. That's anomalous. You don't see that very often, right? And you've had guys have to mature and grow and sacrifice minutes, and that's been challenging in many ways. But at the same time, if they have an injury or two, then it's not the end of the world. They have other yep. guys who can step up. I love
1: it. Thanks for dropping by. Zach Joachim, Richmond.com, Richmond Times-Dispatch.
0: Friday nighter. See you at the stew. Yeah. 7 o'clock start, which I'm not a huge fan of because that's the one that's right (laughs) up against deadline. And so that game ends at 9.05. I'll be hammering out my story for for print And You see the smoke smoke coming out of his ears there. All right.
1: Well, we appreciate your efforts and your hustle. Uh, I don't have a radio show until 10 a.m. It's not my (laughs) my problem, as we say. All right. Zach Joaquin, we're back with more after this. Uh, This is 910 The Fan at one o five one. Tuesday morning, what is up? We are back, MP on the mic. Great to have you with us uh, around town. A uh, two-hour delay today. I'm not going to complain, though. I'm not going to complain. Uh, if you tune in to hear me complain, you're not going to hear me complain, uh, as I did last week. Pitched, pitched a bit of a fit last week when the kids got out of school in the rain. That's all right. It's ice today. Ice, ice is a different world. Uh, you know, you get the Northerners. We got some Northerners here. I respect that to pull out the tough guy cars, Well, you know, back back where I'm from, we uh, we we went we went to school on this, and uh, we just we went about our day, and we didn't uh, didn't buy all the bread out of the grocery store. And uh, uh you know, you guys uh, you guys are soft. And if soft is doesn't want to be out in in negative degree weather, I'm soft. Uh, I'll own it. I am soft. Uh, That's all right. Uh, It's a time of confession. It's a time of... uh, Hey, look, I survived yesterday. Uh, Survived a trip to Costco on a holiday uh, with a snowstorm looming. I don't know if that's uh, Presidential Medal of Freedom, Congressional Medal uh, of Honor, whatever that is. Whatever that is, uh, sign me up. I look forward to winning it. Uh, made, Made my way through... Uh, Costco, uh, JC's on the board, whole crew's all here today, of course, it's a Monday, we'll open the phone lines to you in a bit, it's a, uh, it's a pretty exciting Monday. Uh, JC, I, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll bookmark this for later, um, Costco has replaced the churro in the food court, uh, with a chocolate chip cookie, this is big news, obviously, uh, in the Costco food court, I don't have to tell you, uh, how big this is. Uh, when they make a change in the Costco food court, I people notice this sort of thing. Uh, that that was the case uh, in my trip there. Uh, we had uh, we we got the big cookie. It's two dollars and fifty cents. That's a lot of money for a cookie, but it it's a lot of cookie. Uh, we'll get maybe give the full full food review breakdown. I'm I'm going to prepare my list: Costco food court food item power rankings. We'll uh we'll compare notes. We'll uh we'll see what we got along the way there. Uh building up to AWOD Radio. Yeah, AWOD takes over at noon. Uh two o'clock today. Adam Peters formally introduced as the next general manager of the Washington Commanders. Uh full coverage for you, of course, on the fan. I will be up there in Ashburn uh later today for that introductory press conference. Get a little information to bring back to you for tomorrow's show. Uh, also, Zach Joaquin, Richmond Times-Dispatch, he'll drop by to join us at 11.15 at 11. We will air for you uh, VCU coach Ryan Odom's weekly press conference as he meets the media ahead of a uh, uh, a off-game week. Uh, VCU does not play a midweeker this week. They do have the Friday night game as St. Louis comes to town. And uh, Dang, if that wasn't a big old win over LaSalle on Saturday. I- I'll love to you know, Awad a- a- and I, we have polite disagreement. That's uh, that's how radio works. That's how good radio works. He says he uh, needs a little more out of Bearstow. He gets a little more out of Bearstow. Uh, I-, I I circled Quani as my guy. Got a little bit out of Kwanney. Uh Everybody's guy coming through. Uh, we do need to sort out the Rams-Lions bet. Uh, I did end up on the winning side of that. Uh, everybody everybody lined up on the Rams side. Uh, I had a feeling the Lions would win. Uh, that was not... That was not how I drew it up. That was not. How I thought I was going to lose that uh, late in the game. They, you know, the Lions were given given three points, so I still didn't win on the spread. But boy, that was Jared Goff hanging on for dear life. Uh, as we talk about the storylines as the NFL playoffs progress, I, one I don't know if we're sleeping on it, but but one we might be sleeping on were two outcomes away here from. The Packers visiting the Lions with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line in a game that would make that entire region of the country just go up in flames. It would melt all the snow. They had like three feet of snow in Wisconsin, three feet of snow in Michigan. They'd all be melted just by the takes that game alone would generate. Uh, The Packers with Jordan Love reloading. Of course, we've loved watching Jordan Love's emergence, uh, especially because it makes Aaron Rodgers look bad, Uh, especially because Aaron Rodgers, never let your quarterback be the GM, right? Aaron Rodgers wanted to trade all those young receivers so that his old friends could come run it back one more time in Green Bay. That's a franchise that's bigger than one person. There are teams that will give you that authority. There are teams desperate enough to do that. Broncos did it with Peyton. Uh, Tom Brady obviously in the Bucs a great example. the uh, Broncos brought in Russell Wilson's crew, but on the whole, uh you you don't want to let your quarterback be the general manager. And every time Jordan Love has success, you you just you, you pencil that down and like, "Hey, all right, the things are all right here. Aaron Rodgers uh Aaron Rodgers is with the Jets struggling, and the Packers legacy, the Packers dynasty rolls on." Uh I mean the the big story though, and I would have loved to be on the behind the scenes as this dropped last night. Halftime of last night's game, Eagles Bucks. Uh, all of a sudden, you go to the halftime, and then ten megaton bomb drops. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons send out a tweet: "We've interviewed Bill Belichick for our coaching opening." So that's Belichick's first official interview uh, since he's been fired. Uh, it's, it doesn't not make sense. Uh, that is a roster that could they can get Belichick the record. Um, he's he's 14 away uh, from Don Shula's all time wins record. He could roll off a pair of, a pair of nine and eights out there and uh, and get that in a couple of years with that roster. Now you need a quarterback. You need a quarterback badly. I don't. You know we don't know what they talked about. How much authority he'd get. But it was really hard to see that. As anything other than, hey, hey, Jerry Jones, you watching? You watching TV, Jerry? Watching the TV? Did you Did you see? I'm on the market. Teams want me. Give me a call, Jerry. You know my phone number. It just makes too much sense. It feels like Jerry's been building to this moment all year. The the half-hearted endorsements of McCarthy as coach. Uh, The making up with Jimmy Johnson, right? Oh, yeah, Jimmy and I are good now, and I understand. You know, it takes multiple people to win, and, you know, I don't want my legacy to be that that I couldn't play with others. Just feels like he's sending up the bat signal. And if there's one thing we know about Jerry Jones, we'll just go down this road here, Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones. If there's one thing we know about Jerry Jones, it's that his deepest, darkest fear... It's not that the Cowboys will lose, but that the Cowboys will not be the center of attention. That somehow we will go an entire day, an entire week, an entire month and not talk about the Dallas Cowboys. That's what every decision at the star gets made based around. That's what every contract, every draft pick, everything is. How do you make sure the Cowboys are talked about? How do you make sure the Cowboys get talked about? and it's a pretty good way, hiring Bill Belichick. I think, and I've said this, I think from Belichick's side, I think I think that's one of the best jobs he could have, because um, I don't think he should be the GM, and I don't think he wants to be the GM necessarily at the next stop. I mean, I'm sure he wants to be the GM. That That's something the Falcons could dangle, that the Cowboys can't dangle. Uh, but it it feels like if you, they've got great personnel people there, if you let them do their job, Let Jerry do his job of taking the attention. You've got a built-to-win team. You've got a team that just rolls off double-digit win seasons, and all you have to do is get get them ready to play in the playoffs. And that a Bill Belichick team, you just have the feeling, would never do that. Just show up that flat, that unprepared. There was the year Buffalo punked them in the playoffs, which had been a long time coming but that felt more like a better team running up the score on a lesser team to avenge years of misdeeds as opposed to the Patriots weren't ready that day. I think the Patriots were as ready as they could have been that day, but Buffalo had some aggression to take out uh, for some losses over the years. With the Cowboys, though, the Cowboys were not on paper any worse than the Packers, and I, I think they were arguably better than the Packers coming into the game and to not get that win there, to, to not get the W uh, at home in your third year of playoff disappointments, uh, you, you got to consider Belichick, right? He's on the market. He's available. He sends, sends up the bat signal. Help me. I'm interviewing with the Atlanta Falcons. Come get me. I'm right here. I am available. Uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be monitoring this. We'll be monitoring all of that. Uh, so your big football news, right? Belichick interviewing with the Falcons. Uh, tons of coaching vacancies. We'll break down. Uh, get an early look at next week's games. Uh, I want to do a college basketball segment next because I, I, I don't want to go too deep in the show and not do college basketball. Uh, and then, of course, we'll circle back to it at 11 uh, with Ryan Odom's weekly press conference and eleven fifteen with Zach Joachim. Uh Always love having him on to break down all things VCU tons of tons of football talk uh, tons of stuff going on we' love to have you with us it's a Tuesday morning uh, we are back from the long weekend you're back from the long weekend or you're home with the kids I don't know what you're doing whatever you're doing you're spending the time with us and we really appreciate it we're off and running you're listening to 910 the fan not 1051 FM FM Tuesday morning icy Tuesday after a snowy Monday winter has arrived Winter is here, and with it, college basketball. You know I love this time of year. MP on the mic. You're with us here, nine ten, the fan, one hundred five FM, worldwide on the free honesty app. Cannot get enough college basketball this time of year. Depends, uh, depends what team you uh, you pull for here. Whether you want to uh, want to hear from me in this segment or not. Uh, split verdict for the Hokies, by the way. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to uh, see. The Hokie women lose to Florida State. A uh, little, little stumble for them. That's a, that's a top 25 team. Uh, some uncharacteristic mistakes. There was some bad officiating. Uh, I'm curious. The NCAA obviously has to invest big in women's basketball officiating over the next few years. Because you've got this thing where, and I don't know, caught off guards probably not the right term, but in a lot of ways... This surge in women's basketball interest has caught a lot of people off guard. Now, I I would argue it shouldn't. It's always been a, a good sport and it's always been, you know, home to great competition. But just over the last few years, the number of college teams... Taking it really seriously, and the number of big-time athletes who are fun to watch uh, has gone up. Dawn Staley's done her thing at South Carolina, of course. We've documented that along the way. You've got LSU; they're loaded. Uh, of course, Virginia Tech here in uh, in the Commonwealth. Uh, Florida State was a very good team. A, a fun. Fun matchup of ACC teams. They're all on TV now. Uh, it makes for great watching. They're, they're you know crisp two-hour games. Unfortunately, they do go to the monitor just as often as the men's teams go to the monitor, so there's no reprieve from that. But the officiating is clearly worse than the men's game. Uh, and that that showed itself a couple times there in that that Tech-Florida uh, State game down the stretch. Uh, and I'm curious what the NCAA will do about that because it's not as simple as just have a shared pool of refs or whatever it is. It's a fundamentally different game and, and different rules. You know, they've got quarters instead of halves and different administration, and all those things. NCAA needs to invest in women's basketball officiating as as a brand, as a, as a thing to help the sport gain its legitimacy and gain its following here in this great moment of so many great players. Do I trust the NCAA to do that? Heck no. Of course I do not trust the NCAA to do that. That's why I'm saying it here on the radio, because we're just going to be back here in a few years. You just, you get the sense this is not a forward-thinking organization that's going to invest the time or money at that level to do that. And that's disappointing. They deserve better, Uh, and, and you've in large part just benefited from the number of former players who have done it at a high level, who are officiating the men's game. And, uh, you know, not that the men's game is perfectly officiated. Uh, yeah, I say Jamie lucky a lot of you cringe or shudder, uh, (laughs) whatever it is. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't hear me saying the men have it figured out and the women don't. Um, but there does seem to be a pronounced difference in quality. I am curious how the NCAA addresses that. Uh, I'd be curious to watch the Hokies. Uh, I think uh, I think a few hard fought games not going to be the worst thing for them as they get ready for the tournament. Uh, and, and the ACC tournament's going to be a ton of fun this year. Obviously on the women's side, Hokies on the men's side uh, looking good. Uh, way way more so than UVA. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. We'll lead you up to the the, the big game, Commonwealth Clash tomorrow. Um, But the Hokies only lost to Miami by four. Miami's a, a good team. That on the heels of a very nice win over a ranked Clemson squad. It does feel like Tech's getting a little bit of its mojo back, uh, maybe a little bit of its shooting touch back after an early season swoon. Great to see them back on the upswing. Uh, Four-point loss to Miami, obviously you'd rather have the wins, uh, but certainly the notion of them playing two really good, really competitive games uh, against two of the best the ACC has to offer. Uh, If I I rewind, if we go back in the time machine a month ago, uh, you're going to take me up on that. Uh, you're gonna take me up on uh, on them playing a couple of close ones uh, Virginia on the other hand my goodness uh, lost to NC State a week to think about it go down to Wake Forest and lay a complete egg 66 to 47 I'm starting to wonder big questions are starting to be asked there uh, this was. I kind of took for granted a top-25 team, and I felt a top-25 roster, and uh, as Tony Bennett does, he's got NBA kids on the roster. That's, that's the least appreciated thing of the Tony Bennett era is he's, he's running NBA through, kids through that program all the time. Uh, you just don't realize it because of, uh, because of the way they play, the style they play, the lack of hype those guys get. They, they just end up in the NBA and end up becoming great players and uh, pieces of great teams. Uh, and they've got they've Ryan Dunn. They've got that again this year, but my goodness, they've got some cleaning up to do. Sixty six to forty seven against Wake Forest, and you know, hey, don't blink. Commonwealth clash is coming at you tomorrow night. Virginia Tech at Virginia. Now, the at Virginia part is the part that's gonna uh, you know give you a little bit of confidence if you're a UVA fan, uh, make you feel like hey, maybe this isn't uh, totally out of reach. Uh, for us here because they they have played a lot better at home than they have on the road uh, which is kind of kind of intriguing to see those kinds of splits in college basketball you don't see those dramatic of splits as often in college basketball and uh, I love JPj don't don't hear me wrong here y'all know I love JPJ but it's not like it's not the world's most pronounced home court advantage. It's an advantage for for UVA uh, for for you know the home team and obviously to be at home. Uh, but certainly not the kind of home-court home, home court advantage where you'd say they should have that big of a disparity between how they play. But that'll be their hope. Uh, need one to get right against the Hokies tomorrow night. We'll dive into that more, of course, on tomorrow's program. The Spiders, uh, Spiders keep on rolling. They got George Mason, 77-70. to 70. Uh, Don't look now, 3-0. and uh, Their last three in A-10 play, three wins over the Bonnies over Loyola, and over a feisty George Mason squad, uh, spiders take on Duquesne tonight up in Pittsburgh. Seven o'clock tip on that one. I would not have guessed that at this point in the season we'd be talking about a Duquesne team or not uh, a spiders team that is significantly better uh, record-wise, performance-wise than a VCU team. Because I think those schedules were about even. Uh, but VCU gets the win. Uh, knocks off LaSalle, gets ready for St. Louis now. Uh, Hang around at 11 o'clock. We'll bring you VCU coach Ryan Odom's weekly press conference. And a lot of it is good A-10 this year. Love to see you are in the mix. Love to see you are making noise. Uh, Certainly not over by any stretch for VCU. A lot of quality games, quality opponents left. Uh, Starting with a little little national showcase Friday against St. Louis. Uh, Always love to see them on national TV. Chance to get a big win. Chance to uh, maybe maybe reclaim the brand a little bit. Saw a little bit of that against LaSalle for sure. Love to see uh, love to see them playing VCU ball. Love to see them come up big. And that that's an A10 game. That was an A10 game they played on Saturday. It's going to be close at the four-minute media timeout. They're not going to play a lot of games this year. Where it's not close at the four-minute media timeout. We'll talk with Zach Joaquim about that. And uh, at 11:15 this morning is when we will have. Zach on. Uh, but when we get back, uh, a look at the football slate for next weekend. Uh, the AFC side of things haven't discussed that much. We'll dive into that. We'll keep things humming. It's a Tuesday morning. It's MP on the mic. Appreciate you joining us. This is 910 The Fan Now 1051 FM. Taking him to the top of the hour. MP on the mic. Michael Phillips here. 910 The Fan. 105.1 FM Worldwide on the free Odyssey app. I had the chance to join the Junkies this morning. That was a treat. Uh, If you missed that at 9 o'clock, grab the Odyssey app. It's got the rewind button. Uh, If you didn't, we talked about uh, my article about uh, Bill Bill Belichick. Um, (laughs) We're all talking about Bill Belichick these days. Where will he go? Dallas? Philly? Uh, Throw more logs on the fire. Interviewed with Atlanta yesterday. Uh, Wasted no time declaring himself Available. No, talked about Eric Bieniemy, um, and I don't think Eric Bieniemy is a credible candidate for coach of the Washington Commanders. Uh, others will disagree, uh, say he should be given a chance or a look. Uh, I just think new direction, new team, uh, new era, new culture. Uh, Adam Peters going to get introduced today, going to set the tone. Uh, I just think Ben Johnson's your favorite as as another guy who can come in and set a tone around this football team. And I think Eric Biennemi tried to do that. I think he was hamstrung, part by Ron Rivera, uh, in large part by Ron Rivera. And obviously, Awad and I have talked about that ad nauseum. And uh, I won't deny that Ron Rivera held back the things Eric Biennemi wanted to do. But I I also think it's unfair to Eric Biennemi in a lot of ways, but it's time for a fully fresh start. That's what I keep hearing from you. That's what you want. You want the fresh start, and you can sell, you can make a case right now that the commanders are maybe well positioned for the long term relative to the rest of the conference, the rest of the division. Certainly, if you look at the Eagles, they got some big questions to answer. Uh, you look at the Cowboys, those Bills are going to come due at some point. Jerry keeps kicking the can down the road. Now, one of them lands Belichick, you know, you get excited. You think you see it differently. You'd rather have Dak than the commanders quarterback situation. You'd rather have Jalen Hurts, even after last night, uh, he was hurt down the stretch. You would rather have Jalen Hurts than the commanders quarterback situation. But you'd much rather be the commanders than the New York Giants, who are trapped in uh, Daniel Jones' salary cap hell uh, after the extension they gave him. You got the number two pick. Uh, you saw Caleb Williams declared yesterday. Everybody's in the pool. Everybody jumped in. Drake May's in. Jaden Daniels is in. Uh, you got a ton of big names, uh, quality names. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna do some scouting. They're gonna find themselves a quarterback. You got a new coach. You got a new owner. I think this excitement feels more real than a lot of the excitement we've had over the years with the Commanders. I do. Uh, I think this has been. Just just a full breath of fresh air. And that's why I think Eric Bieniemy and Junkiness and I were talking about this, I, I think Eric Bieniemy represents the old building. And I think he's got a lot of great ideas. I, I think he was, you know, judged unfairly based on one year with a mediocre quarterback, a bad offensive line, uh, and we don't know what Sam Howell is fully, uh, and a head coach who was on his way out in a lame duck season. Um, all of which is, is to say, though, uh, I think it's time to turn the page. It's time to start fresh. And I hope Eric Bieniemy is a wildly successful NFL coach. I hope he ends up on one of those graphics that they put up where you say, here are all the guys who came through Washington are successful coaches. I also think it's time for uh, for Washington to just go get a successful coach. I mentioned Ben Johnson a few times. Uh, love him, obviously, uh, but also uh, tons of good candidates out there. Big Raheem Morris guy. Love what he brings to the table. Uh, Dan Quinn. Has anybody had a worse week than Dan Quinn uh, taking that L uh, in Dallas against the Packers? That's going to seriously dent his candidacy. Maybe he ends up in Seattle, right? Maybe he ends up in Seattle. He's got, got ties there. Uh, certainly a logical landing spot. But that's it is tough to call a press conference and bring Dan Quinn up to the podium after what America saw on Sunday out of the Dallas Cowboys. But this is Adam Peters' day. Uh, Adam Peters, your new general manager of the Commanders. Uh, I told you all year, I'll tell you again today, this was the biggest hire. Now, obviously, the coach is going to get more attention. We'll talk about the coach till I'm blue in the face. I love talking about the coach. I'm all for talking about the coach. But this is the hire that matters. This is the important one. If you're paying attention, if you're dialed in, a lot of you are dialed in around the Commanders. This is what they need. They need a professional talent. The closest they've come to getting a professional qualified talent evaluator was when Scott McLuhan came into the building. The guy who was battling an alcohol addiction and went into a building uh, where it was basically uh, an open bar at all times. uh, Allegedly. Uh, It was a bad, bad culture match, bad, bad match for his skill. And uh, he was out pretty quickly, obviously after that. What is not in dispute. Is that Adam Peters is the guy for this job? Uh, people have been clamoring for his services for a few years now. He's built something great in Carol or in in San Francisco. Everybody with the Niners raves about him. Uh, everybody says this this is the guy. Uh, and, and you put a lot of blind trust in your contacts and the people you know in these situations because. I don't scout assistant general managers. That's not a, not part of my day-to-day here. It's not part of my writing for the Washington Times. It's just not something that I do. Uh, but it is, it is one of those cases where you look at, I mean, his track record, how people speak of him, and you conclusively say, uh, Josh Harris' ownership team got the right guy for the job. So a ton of excitement. Uh, I'll be in Ashburn for that 2 o'clock press conference today uh, as Adam Peters introduces the new general manager, the commanders. This is the big hire. Don't let the coaching search distract you. This was the big hire, and they nailed it. They did a great job, got down to business. Uh, I had to laugh. Uh, who was it? I think it was Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer had an article over the weekend and it was talking about the process and it was, you know, Josh Harris convened his search panel in week 16, but he didn't know if he'd keep Ron Rivera or not. He was keeping an open mind like I'm so sure I'm so sure And look, you know, you you trade for the access, uh, you know, Albert Breer got the access to write that piece. And in exchange, he writes something ridiculous like he didn't know if Ron Rivera would be fired with two weeks to go in the season. Yeah, we knew. Everybody knew. You got to say what you got to say, uh, but it, it, it the writing was well on the wall at that point. But Josh Harris, uh, he gets high marks for this one. Got the right general manager. Fully expect him to to win the press conference today, as we say, uh, and to be off and running in Washington D.C. and uh, do something with that number two pick. Get a great quarterback. Move up to one. Trade back. Uh, his options are endless. He's going to have to put a lot of faith in his scouting department, very quickly uh, in terms of how, how he scouts these quarterbacks, how he evaluates them, and how he handles the rest of the draft, too. A ton of picks, a ton of salary cap space. Uh, you get the sense the Niners' scouting operation did not spend the season saying, what will we do if we have the number two overall selection? Uh, probably wasn't something that got discussed a lot out there in the Bay Area. Uh, they're getting ready for uh, for other games with bigger problems. So, you know, what, who's our veteran that we need to call in on short notice if we need a guy? Uh, that's uh, that, that's where the Niners were. Now, he's appears to to put himself in a totally different mindset now. Get himself ready. Uh, should be a ton of fun, though. It'll be great to meet him today. it be great to be back in Ashburn and bring you some stories from that tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure we'll cross-talk with Awad along the way as we do. He'll be on this show at 1145. Up next, though... VCU coach Ryan Odom's weekly press conference down at the Seagull Center. uh, And then we'll break it down with Zach Joaquin right after at 11.15. Uh, This is the home of the Rams. This is the place to be for Rams talk. Uh, We're coming off a big Rams win. Big week of two wins, um, but certainly a nice road one at LaSalle. Setting up a Friday nighter at the Stew against St. Louis. Uh, Good time to be talking Rams basketball. Uh, Busy sports Tuesday as we catch up after the three-day weekend great to have you with us uh, great to have you driving around stay safe out there uh, hopefully everybody's good everybody survived the ice uh, we'll keep you nice and warm with our hot sports takes ryan odom on the other side of this you're listening to 910 the fan now
2: 1051 fm this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what